Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm glad Mark testified to what he did. I'm still, I'm still rejoicing over it. It's a great day. I'm telling you, your associate pastor here just knocked it out Sunday night. That message that young man preached was absolutely phenomenal. It was just, just so good. Just so good. John chapter 1, verse 17. You probably maybe know it by heart. We're going to review, pick up where I was at last week. I'm excited to be here, excited about being able to share with you what I told you we would look at, the Lord willing, last week, if I remember correctly. And I wrote myself a note and even went back and listened. And uh, I said we'd be talking about apostasy and also something called convergence. And that's an exciting, that's an exciting truth that, well, 20, 25 years ago, I don't think we could say it as we can now, though when we were talking about prophecy and the second coming of Christ and the signs that precede His revelation and the rapture will precede the revelation of Jesus Christ at least seven years, I believe at least ten, by the way. I've taught that here, and the longer I read on it and meditate on it, the more I think that I'm on to something good. If we're looking at these signs that will precede His revelation, okay, when He's revealed, then thank God how close must He be ready to come for the church and snatch us away. Folks, I believe that it could be any moment. The thing about looking at signs, the, uh, the second coming of Christ is imminent, meaning that it could happen at any time. Literally means to hang over your head is what it means. So there's no signs connected with that. But we don't want to be foolish. If he gives signs so that the nation of Israel could know when his revelation is going to be, why wouldn't we want to recognize him and be that much more ready and clear on the rapture of the church when he comes to call us away? John chapter 1, verse 17. This is great. I... I I got something on this today that I'd missed. And listen what he says. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. For some reason, God felt uh, necessary to let us know that grace functions in this dispensation, in this age that he is trying men, as the law did in the days of Moses. Grace has always been, you all have heard me say that, from the beginning in the garden, God graced Adam and Eve by bringing them coats of skin. You all remember that? He sought them. They didn't seek Him. Grace sent Him to them. In the days of Noah, uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the days of Lot, Lot was delivered by the grace of God. Abraham was chosen by the grace of God. We could go on and on and on. David's life was extended, although he broke a major command not commit adultery because the grace of God but in this age this dispensation that runs parallel to the church age this is the age when grace functions as a way of life how wonderful how wonderful that it is in the Old Testament at the foot of Mount Sinai how do y'all think the children of Israel got out of Egypt to get to Sinai by grace who do you think and how do you think they got the leader by the name of Moses that they did lead them out of Egypt to the foot of Mount Sinai? Grace of God. And when they got there, they exchanged grace for law. Now, I, I'm intrigued about that idea. That's a new thought on me that's just a couple of years old, but it's true. 
They had the grace of God upon them. They knew the grace of God, how that it provided for them. And yet, at the foot at Sinai, after hearing God's voice, after seeing the mountain tremble, when they said, look, we all do this, they said, yeah, we will. So, I mean, it's a mystery to me. Hope to find out more about it someday soon. But in this age, grace has always been around. It will always be around. Throughout eternity, it will be around. But this is the age that, listen, grace functions as a way and a manner of life. And let me tell you all, I'm happy. Way better than the law. Now, we still have conscience. That's a part of this age. We still have human government. That's a part of this age. We still have hope in the promises. That's a part of this age. But as a major function and means of function in this age, it's, it's grace. Now, if y'all remember we were talking last, uh, last time we were together a couple of weeks ago, and I appreciate Brother Greg teaching. Wasn't his teaching on wants us to mature? Wasn't that great? Man, I'm telling you, you ought to go back and listen to that again. It's on our website. That was, that was just good stuff, and I appreciate Brother Greg. But we were talking about, we were talking about some end-time signs. Look, if you remember, we talked about, in night, do you all know in, in, in the early 1900s, there was, there was none of what I'm going to talk about tonight. There was none of what I talked about two weeks ago. There was no signs to indicate the soon coming of Christ. Israel at that time was still buried in the nations of the world. There was no place even called Palestine, quote unquote. But in 19, 1917, the Balfour Doctrine or Declaration, the Balfour, maybe it was Doctrine, come to think about it, declared that they decided that the nation of Israel needed a homeland. And from that point on, listen, friend, prophecy began to unfold. Anybody ever play with dominoes? Can anybody play the game dominoes? I need y'all to let me know. The only thing I know to do with dominoes is set them up and knock them over. Now, I mean, that's just me. So anyway, my, my fooling with dominoes is this is the first domino. That, that was stood up and knocked over, and after that, things began to fall in place. Do y'all know, you ever hear of a man to the name of, hey, look, I'm about to run over, by the way. Do y'all, know of, y'all ever hear of a man by the name of Clarence Larkin? He's written many books, a lot of them prophetic. He was a civil engineer. God's got a great way about him. In that day, he was so ahead of the times that the pulpits in his area, I read this one time, shut their doors on him, wouldn't let give him opportunity. God drove him to his study and to his drawing board to where that he, in his civil engineering abilities, could lay down in a very structural way, he's an amazing man to read after, the prophecies that he's wrote, written about in his dispensational truth books or, or his other books on, on um, what, what's the name of them? Can't think of them, going brain dead. Uh, don't live very far from that anyway. But, but anyway, God's got a great sense of humor. I mean, at that time, he prophesied things about, the, listen, the nation of Israel when there was no nation of Israel. You say, why did he do that? Look in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. Because he simply believed the Word of God. Now, I incorrectly last week referred to this prophecy as Ezekiel 38, but it's actually uh, chapter 37. Uh, seven. 
But after 1917, the signing of the Back Four Declaration, a migration of the children of Israel began back to Palestine, back to the Promised Land, back to that 300,000 square mile area that God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would have forever. It would be their homeland. It would be uh, uh, that, that which God would fulfill in a promise that he made to Abraham and to his seed. In 1948, May, May 14, 1948, y'all know what happened. Exactly. The nation of Israel once again declared itself a free, sovereign state. Let me back up. I believe in 1917. Can anybody remember for sure, because that date's slipping me, when a general by the name of Allenby not rode into the city of Jerusalem, but walked. Was that 1917 too? Let me give you all this. On that day, when he took that, when he took that city, there was a rabbi that came in with a ram's horn and something else. And you know what he declared? Wait just a minute. That's in 67. Never mind. Give me, let, me get, let me get up there. Well, it'll fit. I'll just tell you anyway where I'm that deep in it. In 1967, on June the 7th, y'all know what they did? They recaptured the city of Jerusalem, their capital. Hey, newsflash, it's not Muslim, okay? It's, 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 it's Israeli, it's, it's Jewish is what it is. I'll get the right word out. There was a rabbi that came in to the city that day when they had recaptured that to the, to the welling wall, he blew the trumpet, and you know what he said? He said, the prophecy of God has begun. I, 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 I can't remember the rabbi's name. I should have written it down. I'll try to do better in getting it for you. But all these things are important. And we're living in a day, folks, we're living in a day, if you remember, didn't know the dates, the good use of cell phones last week, 2017. Y'all remember what happened in 2017? President Trump. He recognized Jerusalem as the capital of the nation of Israel. Now look, everybody listen, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a big deal. Jerusalem is such a political hot potato that it's amazing. And yet 90-some percent of the Arabs, 90-some percent of the Arabs that live under Jewish control said they would rather have the Israelis to control the Temple Mount than the Arabs. Pretty amazing stuff. Lots of lies go on about Israel and against Israel from the Muslim world. What a surprise that is, amen. But that was a big deal, folks. Remember I told you, I couldn't remember the year. I thought it was 2012, but it's 2015. Our president then and our Supreme Court then, our President Obama, our Supreme Court under him, voted to legalize gay marriage. He lit up the White House. Y'all remember that? Hey, listen, friend, I believe from that point on, and I'm, I'm going to bring this out in the Scripture God began to bring His hand off of America as far as the Holy Spirit, now stay with me, striving against certain things. You look at what's happened in the last 15 years, let's say it that. 10, 12 years. It's, ama it's amazing what has gone on and what is going on in America. And you say, well, you're talking about this. Well, it's exciting. I believe it's pointing, friend, to the soon return of our Savior. Now look, let me tell you something about America, I believe. I believe America is a hang-up in the global plans that are in place throughout the world. 
That's one of the reasons they hated President Trump. Whether you liked him or not, that doesn't matter. God used him. If you all agree with me, say amen there. God used him. Now, he was an American right to the very core of his heart. He proved it in what he did. And on the global stage, they hated him internationally. You say, why? Because he didn't fit in the global plan. Here's what I'm going to tell you all why, why I'm here on this. Do you all know what I believe needs to happen? I believe America, one of two things, and I know the way I'm leaning, needs to either change fundamentally, and they're trying to change us fundamentally. Y'all do know. They're, they're even boldly proclaiming that they want to do a reset of America. That's why they're teaching C, T, CRT to our children. That's why all this wokeism is so prevalent. That's why all the, that's all the idiocy that's going on when they're defunding the police and all, all these kind of things that's going on. Okay, it, it's, it's a part of a whole big picture. It's more than politics. When I preach these things, a lot of people think I'm just being political. I'm being biblical, folks. All right? I've got a biblical worldview. I don't let the culture uh, uh, design and decide how I view the world. I view the world through the, uh, the, the lens of this book. Okay? I may not always get it right, and I don't. But you ought to be glad at least I have some convictions and guts enough to be able to stand and declare some things I believe to be true. Listen to what I'm going to say. America has got to either be brought in some certain way to be totally subjective to other nations in this world or, and here's the one I like, or the rapture will so cripple America that she is no longer a world power or, or an instigator to stop anything that's wanting to be taken, uh, wanting, wanting to take place globally. Now for years I have taught and preached and proclaimed that the, one of the things that will bring America down is debt, is money. Listen, folks, we're in debt over our eyeballs. And people doesn't seem to care about it. And y'all know who we're in debt to? Of all people, the Chinese. Go figure. So, I, I, you know, James says, Go to ye rich men, weeping how for the misery that will come upon you in the latter days. Y'all remember that? Even David Jeremiah preached that. I was happy about that. But I got this one off of Jeremiah. Jeremiah got the other one off of me, but I got this one off of Jeremiah. I'm just kidding. He didn't listen to me. But he says, you know, he said, I've taught this for a long time. He said, I've taught this for a long time. And then he added on the money one. And I've been, I've, I've been doing it the reverse. He believe, and I agree with him. I've got this in my own studies, my own thinking. But I heard Jeremiah say it. He said, I believe the thing that will bring America down and also open the world up to where the Antichrist can eventually take control, globalization be in place, like the Word of God says it's going to be, with this one world global com, uh, uh, economy or money, a global uh, uh, leader, and a global uh, religion. It, it's in the book. It, it's in the Bible, folks. I'm, I'm on good, solid ground. He said, I believe it will be the rapture. Now listen, there's a lot of people wanting us to believe that we're not a Christian nation. That's a lie. That's a lie. And I believe there are so many people that are Christian in leadership positions that when the rapture takes place, it's going to cripple America in a way nothing else can. Now I like that. You may not, but I'm telling you, that, that thrills the life out of me. But look, look at what he said here in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. And, and I just want to set or, or, or highlight a principle here 
if I may. And I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to be able to read all of the first, I don't know, 10, 10 verses. Timony. I don't have time, but I'm going to take time. Y'all, is that okay if I take time? I'll be back next Wednesday, Lord willing. So hope, hopefully maybe y'all will too. The hand of the Lord is upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of dry bones and caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. He said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. First it was bones, then it was breath. And I will lay sinews upon you. There's a third thing. And will bring uh, up flesh, which is sinews, upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. There's another thing, life. You shall know that I am the Lord. And I prophesied as I was commanded, as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to bone when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say unto the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath Uh, came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, now listen, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, and we are cut off from our parts, therefore prophesy unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel, You shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. I want to say glory to God right there. Now, here's what I want to get. I want to show you a principle. There is a progress in this. It doesn't happen all at once, not immediately. I believe when they went back in 1917, there's when the bones started coming together. The Spirit of God still is not in them. Oh, they've got sinews upon them. They're very prosperous. They're very um, successful. Do you all know that they have probably the second greatest military in all the world? I mean, they're, they're leading in technology and in, and in uh, a growth of, of, uh, of vegetables. Agriculture is the word I was looking for. It's amazing how God has blessed them. And for the first time since the rebirth, after 1900 plus years of the nation of Israel being without a homeland, they're back there for the first time and their numbers in Israel outnumber the numbers in New York. Now that's good stuff right there. They had no homeland, they had no capital, they had no language, but today they have a homeland, a capital, and the Hebrew language they're speaking in a recovered lost language. 
Now, folks, we've seen that. I already asked a couple of weeks ago, how many of y'all were here in 1948? Several of you raised your hand. I was here in 1967. Man, I'm telling you what's the truth. You know what we're seeing? We're seeing in many ways the prophecy of God come together before our very eyes. That, that blows me away. That just amazes me. You may tire of me saying it, but I never tire of saying it. It's just a phenomenal thing. You say, what are you trying to get at? We're seeing convergence. What am I talking about when I talk about convergence? What is something, when something converges, what is it? Comes together. Remember what I said, 1900s, early 1900s, before 1917, there was no prophecy. There was no signs of the second coming of Christ. But after 1917, they began. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Look at verse 8. They began to uh, manifest themselves. We're going to get two passages of scriptures while, while I'm here out of this. The first one we'll get, and then we'll move to the second one. Jesus in this passage was answering the questions. If you look at the book of Mark, I believe it is, maybe Luke, uh, the questions of Peter, James, and John. They had been over on Mount Moriah. They had been at the temple, and uh, they had been just awestruck of over, uh, over that great edifice that was built there, that second temple that was built there. Um, when they had crossed the Kedron Valley, came over to the Mount Moriah and was sitting there looking back, Jesus began to talk to them in the beginning of this chapter and said, look, there's going to be a day coming when not one stone will be left on one another. In other words, that building that you all are so confident in, that you rejoice in and glory in, it's not going to even be around. It's going to be destroyed. In three questions, these men asked Jesus, Number one, when shall these things be? Look at that in verse 24, I believe it is. When shall these things be? Number two, what shall be the signs that are coming? Number three, the end of the world. Luke chapter 21 answers the first question. That has to do with the destruction of Jerusalem. Luke answers it in chapter 21 of his gospel. The last two. When shall these say, what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world are answered in chapter 24 of the book of Matthew, beginning in verse 4 and following. I said in, in verse 4, but it's in verse 3, the three questions you'll find. And look, if you will, y'all know these, there'll be wars, rumors of war, nation rising against nation. That is a sign, okay? But I want to highlight something. Look at verse 8. These, listen, he said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Now, when we get to the time that Jesus is coming, it's like a woman who is pregnant, and she gets time to where it's birthing time. Two things happen. Every lady in here knows it, and every man's got any sense ought to know it. Two things happen. Your pain increases as far as intensity and frequency. And we're seeing this. Do y'all know nine out of the ten uh, most devastating, um, I don't know, storms, I guess I could say, have happened since 1994? Do y'all know that in America? And that's not counting Katrina. Y'all look it up. I mean, there's so many things that I could talk about tonight. I'm, I'm trying to whittle this down and trying to get it to where it's a, a blessing to you and, and, you know, I speak it in an understandable way. 
But if we just look at what's going on, folks, we know that it's got to be close. Look at what he said in chapter 24, the same, just a page over it. Look at that in verse 32, 3, and 4. And this is along the same line that I've been talking, having to do with the rebirth of the nation of Israel after over 1,900 years buried in the nations. If you remember, I just want to say it again because it's such a special truth, the greatest, the greatest thing God could have done to preserve His people was, was the, to scatter them into all the world. The, the diaspora that took place in 70 A.D. when the temple uh, was destroyed, when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by, by the Romans. The greatest thing God could have done to preserve His... What other nation do you all know uh, was, was preserved like that? Name me one. Anybody. You can't do it. You cannot do it. I mean to tell you, it's an amazing thing what God has done. And look what He said. He said, now learn a parable of the fig tree. In the Word of God, the Bible makes references or, or speaks of Jerusalem in some manner, whether it be nationally, spiritually, or what's the other one? Can't think of the other one. Mm, I believe maybe that is, Greg. Come think about it. I believe it is prophetically. I have to look at it and see. But there are three things that he refers to them as, and he does it through an image or a type of a tree, like a vine. If you look at Isaiah chapter 5, that's a prophecy of, of the nation of Israel. And God said, look, I, I had me a vineyard. Uh, John chapter 15, he uses it in a different way, the vine, when he begins talk about, about the church on this side of it. The fig tree is one, and also the olive tree. These all speak of the nation of Israel in typology. Now look at what he says here. He said, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. He said, So likewise, or in like manner, when ye shall see... Now watch this phrase... I underlined this phrase. I already had it underlined, but I underlined it three more times today because I had missed this. Look at the conversion. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that it is nigh even at the door. You say what? The two questions he was answering was, when are you coming and when is the end of the world? When you see all these things, are y'all getting this? All these things. Pretty amazing stuff. It goes on in the next verse. What? Yeah. His coming. You're right. It's what he's talking about. The coming of the Lord. And that, that whoever wrote your Bible is right, Judy. I like it. Verily, he said, or truly I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things shall be fulfilled. He goes on to say, I haven't heard pass away, but my words. So, so listen, this is sure. Now, let me tell you two things. What is the generation? Let me give you the two definitions I understand. It could mean a span of time. When God told Abraham, look, your people are going to... Um, captivity down in Egypt, and they're going to be there for four generations. How many years were they there in captivity? 400. So a generation could be as long as 100 years. The given is somewhere around 80. 
That's the common, most accepted that I've seen. But let me tell you something else. The word generation can mean a people. It could mean an ethnicity. So it's pretty amazing. Both of those things were applicable. One, I think, is more applicable to this passage than the other one. I think it's the passing of time. It is very likely. How many of y'all here again, just, just really quick, were alive in 1948? Raise your hand. Well, that's a pretty good group. You, y'all could, look, y'all may be the generation, friends, still living when Jesus comes. Now, I believe personally, and that's why I got excited when I heard about that rabbi coming in on June the 6th, blowing his horn, declaring that the prophecy of God has begun. I was alive June in 63 during the Seven-Day War, and I could be alive in that generation when he comes. That's it. I'm just saying, folks, there is evidence to believe that we are the rapture generation. Maybe not all of us, but hey, friend, wouldn't it be good to simply hear the trump and go in the air? I don't know about you. I like that better than thinking about going to an undertaker. I like my under to upper taker better. Amen. Thank God. Why, well, this is enough to excite a Baptist. Do you hear me? I mean, really, when you think about it, all these things. Go with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And you say, boy, you and Josh wear that out all the time. We got reason to. No, you're not. He said, Paul said, this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. If he were here tonight at Roxalana, he would say, hey, folks, they have come. Now, I'm going to highlight three things in this. They're in my count, and I've counted them time and time again. Numbers are not my strong point, but I have got 19 characteristics that are listed here in this passage from verse 1 down about verse 5. You may get 18, you may get 17. I get, I get 19, so I'm going to use my numbers. I've counted them enough times to where I'm satisfied with 19. But there are three particulars in this. He said, for men shall be lovers of their own self. That's number one. Self. Covetous, boasters, proud, disobedient, blasphemers disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. I hope I can find my note because I'm having trouble remembering the other two. I don't know whether I get them out of this or not. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of God, lovers of self, Lovers of pleasures. Amen. And there's another one. But I can't get it. I can't pull it out of memory. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Here's what I want to give you on this. This is where the convergence comes in. To me, in the clearest way that I can find it in the Word of God. All of these things, in some manner or another, have been on display in the human... Um, uh, in the human world, the world of humans, however is the right way to say that, ever since there's been humans. I mean, people have been proud for a long time. There's been self-love. There's been pleasure. There's been all of these things. But here's the key why this is so important in this day that we live. There has been no generation until this present generation 
that has seen all of these manifesting themselves at the same time. Are are y'all getting this? Things are converging. Things are coming together like they have never came together before. And it's exciting. I love, I love trying to study about, read about, preach about, teach about prophecy. I would say that would be a part of his success, Joe, without a doubt, because they're going to cry like, I think it was Spock or Spork. Spork was his name, a president maybe of, of, the, uh, of the United Nations that said one time, give us a man. It matters not whether it be the devil or who, we will follow him. There's going to be a day because partly of chaos and the tribulation that is in the world that when a man steps up and says, I've got the answers, they'll follow him in a heartbeat. They'll follow him. Hey, here's good news. I've got a secret. We're going to be gone. Thank God. Hey, man. Now, there are people that I believe are saved to believe they're going through the tribulation. Believe that they'll go through part of the tribulation. I got good news for them tonight. If they're saved, they're going out with the toot. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. But can y'all see this? I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I've tried to touch on what I think are the most significant. But here is a bunch that, that we put several together. If you go on in chapter 4, and we will next week, that's where we'll go. I want us to look at I want to, I, Lord, there's so much. Y'all be surprised how much I can get out of those notes right there. You hear me? And I'll, I'll get that third love. Love of self, the love of pleasure. Can't for the life of me forget, remember that other word. I'll get that for you to you, Lord. We'll bring it next week. But we'll look, look at the apostasy. We'll look at apostasy. Look, read Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 and following. And understand that the word Laodicean means church of the people's rule or church ruled by the people were living in that day. You could even say church of the people's choice. We're, we're, we're living in this generation, folks. We're living in the generation that is rich and increased with goods and those who are feel like they have need of nothing. But Jesus said they're poor and blind and Miserable and naked. And if that's not enough, we see Jesus standing on the outside of the very entity that He purchased with His blood, the church. That's not a picture of Jesus standing on the outside of a sinner man's heart, begging with hat in hand to get in. That's not the picture. I've used it like that in altar calls. I don't so much anymore since I've come to the light of the real meaning of it. And that is, to me, possibly the saddest picture I see anywhere in the Word of God. Folks, we're there. It's exciting. We ought to listen. The grace of God hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that we should live godly, holy, righteously in this present world. That's what prophecy study is. Dispensational truths is what we're talking about. And we'll pick it up some more next week. Wendell?